This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire Pods, search for us on iTunes or check out BlueWirePods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Blue Wire. Think about Lawrence. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence, a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 76 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. This podcast, of course, brought to you by Bet Online. Hey, so I don't even know what week it is. I think it's been like 50 plus days since everything's been essentially shut down. Um, how are you doing? How's the week been for you? Um, I'm holding up. You know, I'm, I'm still figuring out unique ways to work in the real estate business, which is good. Um, but I, I started new shows on Netflix. Mm. Um, All American. What? Have you seen? Okay, so I've been told to check that out. Okay, so I think the storyline is very good. It's wrote me in. I Obviously, it's a football show, so I'm going to enjoy a lot of aspects of that. My one criticism thus far, and I think Tay Diggs is a great actor, so that wrote me in as well. I yeah, think I the show is a little bit corny. Okay. So if you can get past some of the cheesiness, and it's like a CW show, so of course it's going to be like sure. high corny drama, whatever. But um, <laughs> I think I think they did a really good job in terms of how they – they uh they did the casting for that show. I think, like I said, the storyline so far has been really good. Just a little bit of cheesiness. But I'm looking forward to watching it. Okay, so I have one for you and Maddie that I think you both would enjoy. Okay. It is called Little Fires Everywhere. Okay. It's with Carrie Washington and Ooh. Reese Witherspoon. Ooh. And the I just think it is brilliantly written. And of course, those actresses are phenomenal. And I just think there's a lot that you would appreciate about the show, how it's put together, um, just with like a lot of political stuff um, kind of intertwined in there, while a little bit of mystery. Um, I really recommend it. It is on Hulu. So I don't know if you have Hulu. I have Hulu. Perfect. Well, I, I think that you guys would both like it. And um, it's I just started it yesterday. So okay. I've, I've been told about it and I finished up all my other ones. So there's one for you. And let me know if if you do eventually start it and, and tell me what you think. Cause um, I'm probably going to finish it like this week. Okay. Good. It's like one of those that you feel like you have to get through. Right. Yeah. 
No, I'll I'll definitely check that out. And then the other one that I watched on Netflix a little while ago, and it's it's definitely got some uh, cultural ties to it. So I don't know if it's for everyone, but I think the story is great. I think it's something we can all relate to with um, messy families, and um, you know, it's 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 centered around a church. So anybody who's kind of um, grown up around a church or in a church would understand it. But Greenleaf, oh, I've never Greenleaf, heard of this. I believe is on Netflix. Um, okay. It is fantastic. And awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actors and actresses that you would know, but they also have some uh, some newer faces. Um, like I said, I, th- I think from episode one, they had me roped in. It's high drama. The plot's good. I don't think there's anything corny about it. There's there's love. There's lust. There's murder. There's, there's I mean, there's everything. It's It's fantastic. And it's called Greenleaf? Greenleaf. Okay, so I'm putting it down on my... See, these are people... You can even tune in this podcast, and you can even get Netflix recommendations. There I mean, we go. How great is that? Okay, so we both need to eventually get back to each other on these and, and, and say if we've watched them yet. So Yes. Have a conversation. Okay, well, let's get into some football talk, because uh, like every week, there's something new that is happening. Now... Earlier last week, the NCAA released a plan for the eventual return of college sports. This is like a three-phase plan like many of these states have. Did you get a chance to look at this, Joshua? Because it was it, it was extremely detailed. Yep. And I know we had uh, we sent an article back and forth about it um, on College Football Talk, uh, NBC Sports there. It is um, as complicated of a phased plan as I've seen. Like phase one has uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bullet points to it. And it, I mean, I, I appreciate the detail for sure, but I also think that it's very wordy. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a little bit of gray area, but essentially they want to they wanna be to a place where uh, they can kind of you know, section by section, group by group, bring people back. Um, You know, the first phase would involve some virtual scenarios. It would involve some isolation. Uh, They wouldn't bring back anybody who's vulnerable in terms of student athletes, including high blood pressure, lung disease, diabetes, obesity, asthma, those things. Um, And this includes coaches, staff, et cetera. Um, They wouldn't bring those people back in phase one yet. Um, They're talking about how they would allow people to come back in dorms, Lab gatherings of 10 people still would be avoided under phase one. Phase two opens up a little bit more um, where you can have gatherings of zero to 50 people, but over 50 people should be avoided. Physical distancing still in space, uh, still in place. Vulnerable individuals should continue to uh, stay in their residences. Virtual meetings should continue and would be encouraged. But I think that also is gray where you could probably have some in-person meetings, and then they they would also start to implement gyms and common areas with student athletes in this phase two. And then phase three, um, vulnerable populations would be allowed, but they should practice physical distancing. Um, Gyms and common areas would be open, um, unrestricted staffing would resume. So there are some tenets to it. It's I think it's going to be hard as hell to make this thing happen, honestly. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're at least working to try to make it happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, they're they're putting all these guidelines out there. And right now, you know, you, you were talking about the bullet holes. If you just go and like look at the article, it's overwhelming. But at the same time, 
they, at this point, they have to have all these different scenarios because we're not at a place yet that we can just put a couple in there. Right. Yeah. Like we're still at a place where we're, you know, a lot of things can happen within even a month. So um, I get it. And I appreciate just the fact that they tried to put something out there um, just because I know everybody every week is like, okay, what's going on now? You know, what's happening right. now? But what I was a little bit surprised with Joshua is um, down here in the South, obviously SEC football rules. And I, I have talked with, you know, um, people like commissioner, um, SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, who, you know, they haven't made anything set in stone with what they're doing. But at the same time, we've got the presidents of Alabama and Arkansas now that have both come out within the last couple of days and said that they are planning to play college football this fall, and they're going to have their students return to campus. For me, hearing this at this time is just real, really tough because not everybody has, you know, come out and say that and said this, first of all, but I just think it's a little bit premature to say we will have it. Like, that's, I don't, I don't, I just don't see how that's responsible coming out with that right now. No, I, I agree. I think the word responsible was probably the right thing there because it's hard to say that somebody was right and somebody was wrong, but we can definitely say that it's probably not the most responsible thing. And the reason is partially because we, we're still learning so much about COVID-19 and how it spreads and, and what best practices are and how to get together in groups right now um, to make a decision like that. But I, I said it to you before the show and we were talking a little bit. Um, it feels like a little bit of a, a way to, to force the politicians' hands in, in this moment. And what I mean is, regardless of political affiliation, politicians are playing a game of popularity. Politicians want to be right. They want to be liked. They want to be popular because it gets them reelected. But these administrators from these universities know that right now, when they're talking about college athletics, they have everybody's ear. They are folks know who these people are and they're going to listen to them. So if I am an athletic director or if I'm a president of a university and I say that we're going to be playing ball September 5, we're going to have kids on campus by July, the politicians would want to make them right so they can be popular. Because if we don't go back by then, they're not going to say, oh man, well, such and such lied to us from this university or this AD was wrong. They're going to say the politicians got in the way of our athletes being able to get back on campus. Whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, um, it, it applies a certain amount of pressure to people that have to make those types of decisions. And again, that's that's another level of irresponsibility there because now you're really forcing politicians into making tough decisions um, from that regard. But I, I think that we should take this day by day, week by week, month by month. Um, and it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing for these folks to be planning in the background to have student athletes on campus during the summer. But to make an announcement like that, I feel like it's just a really premature thing to do. Yeah, I I think that's just, that's the thing that bugs me because first of all, you have the NCAA that's coming out and saying, this is the 80 step plan. Um, you know, (laughs) you know, exaggerating just a little, um, but then, you know, then you have these individual universities coming out and, and pretty much saying, well, we are going to, and it's like, well, what's wrong with just saying, you know, we're going to, 
we're going to follow, you know, the guidelines right now, the NCAA. And, and I get what you're talking about too, the political side of everything. Um, and it's, it's going to be interesting because, you know, these colleges are, you know, they make most of their money off of college football and sure. the, the millions of dollars that are going to be lost with just a single university could be incredible. So um, I know that they don't want to think that, you know, they're not going to have a football season, but even if they do, Joshua, I, I don't even know if it will be a full season. And that's the other thing, you know, that hasn't really been talked about either is, um, you know, it might not be as many games as, as we really are used to. Yeah. And if I'm, if I'm a power five conference um, commissioner, I'm having conversations with the other commissioners about mm-hmm. um, potentially cutting out some of the group of five games or the non-conference games early on. Um, and, and it's a yep. shame, but if you're the power five, it would be in your best interest to protect your revenue, um, especially in a situation where you're paying these, these teams to play you. And, and I, I know it's bad to say that, but I would probably be having those conversations. Now, the question that I've, that I've had and where it gets a little bit sticky is um, if you're Notre Dame, and we decide we're not going to play non-conference games, what the hell do you do? Oh, God, that's a great question. You know, because, I mean, they they share with the ACC and they yeah. do a lot of that, but they still have USC on their schedule and they still have Michigan on their schedule. Like, what do you, what do you end up doing? No, it's a, that's a great question. I mean, those are the, those are the games that matter for them, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I, I didn't even think about that. And, and, you know, and just some of these weaker conferences, Joshua, I mean, not saying that, you know, those, those ones that they play in, in the beginning of the season, I mean, some of these teams play tougher teams just so they can boost their resume up. Right. Right. Um, Because they don't play in the strongest conference. And I mean, that can also be affected in in the long run of things. I mean, I think Notre Dame is the prime example of that, but I, then that makes me think too, you know, I don't even know if the whole the whole thing in terms of playoffs will be normal. I mean, it could be completely different with that as well. Yeah. I, I, that is a really good point because I, I, how do you, how do you calculate? How do you weigh um, heading into the postseason? Because one of the things that we like to do, which I I think is a very wise thing to do is we'll we'll look at common opponents, right? So, um, you know, if, if we, you know, it's between us and and let's say Clemson, right. And we both had, Um, somebody in the non-conference on our schedule or, or, you know, we, whatever the case was, um, we would, we would take that game and we would compare how did Ohio state do versus X team? How did Clemson do versus X team? But you don't have that comparison, that one-to-one anymore. And so I think it would be hard in a situation where, um, you know, there could be a number of schools that run through their conference, you know, like how, how do you truly make that decision? I think it gets really, really sticky. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all works out. Well, uh, we don't have any NBA, NHL, or MLB yet. Uh, you might think that there's nothing to bet on, but you are wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. So from their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. If you're missing the NFL, no problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that of course you can bet on. Everything else, well, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol stock prices, even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. So they are open 24 hours a day. 
all online, just go to betonline.ag. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online waging solution. So as we're going on now with the NCAA, more topics to come from there this past week. And I know the, the moment I saw this, I think I tweeted you and like, was like, okay, what's your thoughts? Because this has kind of been your thing in terms of um, having a voice and, and really making people realize um, the athlete's point of view. So the NCAA pretty much came out and said that it supports a proposal to allow college athletes to sign endorsement contracts and receive payment from other work, provided that the schools they attend are not involved in any of the payments. I mean, so they're pretty much saying like that, we're going to move forward now. Yeah. And it's, I think it's absolutely the right thing to do. Um, I think this language right here, allow college athletes to sign endorsement contracts. So it's all going to be, should be legit work. Um, You know, a contract uh, where you provide a service for uh, compensation uh, which would be taxable income. So there's there's that layer to it um, that they would have to address. And and leaving the universities out of it, I think, is the right way to do it too. Because you like, and I not that I think that this is going to tip the scales in college football any more than they're already tipped. Because yeah. you know Ohio State's going to be Ohio State and Clemson's going to be Clemson, whatever. And I, I think there's really only two um, universities that are in college towns, true college towns that are big cities too, which is Columbus, Ohio, and Ohio State in Austin, Texas, University of Texas. But, you know, it, it would be a definite advantage to Ohio State if they could provide inducements during recruiting and say, we've got you set up with this and that already. Mm-hmm. And then the reality of the situation, too, is I, I think that that it's also bad business doing it like that, too, because, um, you know, you'll you'll probably burn some of your, your bridges in business if you get these cats on campus um, you know, promising them this, that, and the third, and the businesses do it, and they provide no value in return because they don't play for two years, and they ended up being kind of just a, an okay player, not a great player, the whole deal. But this is a great step. Now I'm curious to see how it all rolls out and what truly happens here. Um, I am a believer that this provides opportunity to student athletes. I don't think it really um, it, it's going to change anything astronomically. I think the the typical uh, starter at Ohio State you know, could probably yeah. get, um, you know, some free subs at Jersey Mike's. Um, they would probably, no, seriously. I mean, they'll, they'll yeah, probably no, get, you know, they'll sign, they'll sign some autographs after they win a big 10 championship and that'll be everybody on the team, you know, but outside of getting some free sandwiches, maybe uh, some free Papa John's pizzas or something like that. I don't think it's a situation where guys, everybody's going to be driving a car around or um, even guys would be driving Maseratis. Um, you know, I'll get into this real quick. That's one of the concerns is, you know, a guy's going to be making a million dollars. And I, I'll tell you what, um, very few players in the NFL make a million dollars off the field. Um, very few players in the NFL make a quarter of a million dollars off the field. Um, it's hard to be marketable like that. Um, it's brands don't want to invest too much money into, uh, you know, into kids because that's a risk brains aren't fully developed They're, you know, they can make a mistake. They could end up not being as good as you think. And so from that regard, I don't think the money's going to be as great as people think. And then a lot of these deals don't even turn out to be cash deals anyway. They're, you know, a service that you provide in exchange for merchandise or apparel or whatever the case is. So, you know, a cat does a photo shoot or um, does an autograph signing at a local sprint store 
and you know sprint's going to pay his bill and give him an iphone but they're not going to give him any cash um yeah, same yeah. thing with the car dealership they're, they'll they'll have you there to sign autographs they're not going to give you a car and sign or give you money they're going to let you drive a car you'll switch it out every five thousand miles and the reality of the situation is you're probably not driving a a beamer a benz a uh a maserati or, or a ferrari because those cars lose value as soon as you drive them off the lot. It's a big risk for an auto dealer to do that. And um, people who buy Mercedes, BMW, Maserati, and Ferrari aren't taking marketing advice from 20-year-olds. Uh, yeah. You know, these cats will most likely be driving around Chevy Impalas, uh, Toyota Camrys, um, Honda Accords, you know, economic cars. People buy those for their 16-year-olds, so there's some value in terms of marketability there. Um, and I, I think that's truly what it ends up being. I, I don't see situation where you know college football is turned upside down i see a situation where cats can you know get a little bit of transportation maybe have a free cell phone and that's it yeah i mean you, you made a great point and i think for all of us who are trying to make it into a bigger deal than it is when it's all said and done this is already happening with all of these major colleges um these it's just going to be out in the open now i mean that's my take on it, because I feel like all these universities, at least the, the ones that we know of um, with that have had these bigger name athletes, look, it's been happening for years, people. This is just now finally allowing it to be, I guess, okay by the NCAA. Am I correct on that? Am I, am I thinking something else? No, I, I'm, you're, you're spot on. I think it's a little bit different now in how you do it because before it's just like, you know, give these guys cash to get them on campus. I think now um, kind of the body of work and in, in the brands will speak for itself, but like Alabama is going to figure out a way to, to really um, make sure and, and their boosters and everybody else who owns businesses down there, they're going to make sure um, that recruits know that that's a city where you can make money. And, and, and Clemson's going to do the same thing. Columbus is going to make sure. So I think these guys will have decisions to make. And ultimately, you know, you're going to go to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State because, um, you know, Ohio State, three first round picks, you know, Clemson, multiple first round picks. LSU had multiple first round picks and so did Alabama. Like all the kids are going to go to these same schools. I think the difference now becomes, you know, if you're if you're in a recruiting class at Ohio State, for example, and you have um, let's say you're like the number 11 recruit in the class, you're an Ohio kid, you know, four star. Yeah. Do you still go to Columbus or do you maybe go to Athens um, or Toledo? And now you're the guy there yeah. and all the endorsements belong to you. Like, I think that might be yeah. one thing that we see, but otherwise it's going to be the same college football. Yeah. I like that point. That's a good point. Um, but it, it, to me, that just gives some of these people a different opportunity and maybe they won't, Maybe they won't go to the, the bigger school and be like the eighth man on the totem pole. Maybe they sure. will take that opportunity to be the guy. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah. with making the best of your opportunity with what you have. Totally cool with that. Um, one thing that I did want to know, the NCAA, the group obviously that is is agreeing to this, um, the governing, governing body said that um, schools sh should consider prohibiting athletes from promoting things like obviously alcohol, tobacco, sports gambling. Um, there's also a recommendation to limit what athletes can do with shoe and apparel companies. Now I I'm a little bit um, interested in why that's the case on the second thing I talked about the shoe and apparel is that, I mean, does that concern you? 
No, and, and so I'll, I'll obviously the first thing there, it's the same thing that happens in the NFL. Those guys can't, you know, th- yeah. those are products that obviously we would want to limit folks using in society and, and young athletes shouldn't um, yeah. definitely be the face of any of those. Now, for the shoe and apparel companies, I think that'll be interesting because it says there's a recommendation to limit what they can do, but not necessarily to cut it out. So if if Under Armour wants to sign Justin Fields, let's say, Trevor Lawrence, let's say. Um, obviously, those cats wouldn't be able to wear that stuff on the field. But who is to say that um, you know they couldn't wear, they couldn't do photo shoots for them, or they couldn't wear that stuff around campus, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I think that would be fine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they give they give a little bit of apparel out to the athletes, the schools, um, the the companies that the schools contract with, but not enough that their closets are full. You know, these kids, yeah. they could use some clothes. It's not like the coaches where they, I mean, they're totally outfitted. Yeah. I think also the the deal there too, and people are going to say, well, you know, well, now that opens up this, that, and the third. I'll, I'll tell a little story. So Joey Bosa was like the number three pick in the draft in 2016. Um, out of college, signed a deal with Adidas. He, I think, was guaranteed like a quarter of a million bucks, and then he had some incentives in there. And like a hundred thousand dollars worth of apparel every year. Okay. Likewise, I signed my deal with Adidas coming out of school. Adidas was trying to build up their roster, um, so they were they were paying guys. So I got a five thousand dollar a year stipend in cash plus thirty five thousand dollars in apparel. So essentially, Nike they're not paying guys cash. I mean, even some of their top players in the league don't get cash deals. Um, Adidas and Under Armour. Uh, they, depending on the year, Adidas has built up their roster. They're probably not throwing out cash. And Under Armour didn't have a ton of cash to throw out because they had their golf product and their, their basketball yeah. product with Steph Curry. Anyway, in saying that, so um, there was a little bit of cash. It was all good. Now, here's where you get with the apparel is I had to pay taxes on $40,000. I had to pay taxes oh, wow. on 5000 in cash plus the $35,000 I had in apparel. And Regardless of how much I, I use of the apparel, I had to pay taxes on the whole thing. So there's the issue is they need to be careful because it's not Justin Fields, you know, it, it, let's say he gets a $100,000 apparel deal and, mm-hmm. you know, he's getting uh, $50,000 in cash and he's getting $50,000 in apparel. He's got to pay taxes on a hundred yep. grand. So yep. somebody needs to make sure they're doing the accounting yep. there. And that's where they need to, to not to limit these guys from, from opportunity, but to protect them from themselves. Okay, so here's here's a thought. So do you think with this coming into, into place as soon as next year, do you think it should be mandatory, and I hope that this is something that they would think about, that they're going to have some sort of an introduction course when these, you know, fall, you know, or even just in, in before fall begins, these training camps, they have somebody come in, they have like a certain, you know, hour course, and they introduce all this stuff and say, you know, this is all the things you have to think about now that we can, you know, do pay for play. I mean, don't you think that should be mandatory? Absolutely. And I'll take it a step further is I think that the university should, um, they should furnish opportunities for these guys to get with um, yes. accountants and agents and specifically agents to advise or even just contract lawyers to advise on um, these deals, because then you get into you know, uh, what happens if a guy transfers or what happens if a guy leaves early and, um, you know, what happens if I get in trouble and all this kind of stuff that they need to have um, in the contract to protect the players. 
But also the accounting is a big deal because even where I'm at, I've never done my own taxes. I have an accountant when I was playing in the league, I was getting paid in a bunch of different States. I needed to make sure that I was paying my taxes properly in every jurisdiction I was in. Um, I needed to make sure that I was writing off everything I could write off to reduce my tax liability. Now I'm in a little bit of a different situation. I'm 1099 for most of my work. I work in a couple of different States still. I have probably nine or 10 different sources of income right now. Um, and that's really complicated. And it's the same thing these guys would have because every every place I would pay them would be a different source of income. And yeah. I'm, I'm looking to, at buying, uh, selling my condo and buying a new house in a couple of years. So now I'm in a place where uh, I have to have, you know, work history documented this, that, and third. But I also, is it advantageous to reduce my tax liability? Because then when I go for underwriting, to, to buy a house, I might not uh, be approved for as much. Like all these things matter. And not like these cats are going to be buying homes or anything, but tax planning is huge. Like, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're, first off, you're paying Uncle Sam because he will come and get your ass. But second yep. off, that if you can reduce your liability in a legal way, in a way that makes sense that you do so, um, you can keep track of your accounting. So you can go back and you can look at your income history and all these different things. I think it's important that universities make it accessible uh, yes. for these guys to have those resources. Yep. I, I, I'm really like hoping that they come out with a plan eventually on, you know, this is, this is our plan to, to make this thing actually work. Cause like we're getting into right now, you have not gotten this, I'm sure from any other place, just because this recently, you know, has been said, this is what they're going to do. I mean, this is getting into the details of the things that need to happen um, in order to do this the correct way for the athletes. You know, like you said, there's just so much that goes into it. I was thinking about this too. My, um, my best friend's husband actually is an accountant for professional athletes. So he deals with all their money. Um, and I've heard of stories just with some of his younger clients and how crazy it can be sometimes dealing with these younger clients. Cause you know, they want to spend the money. And I was just thinking of him right now. I'm like, gosh, this is an opportunity for a lot of these people now to, you know, really start helping these young athletes, you know, start to manage that money at an early age um, and just understand it. So that's, that's great points um, to, to bring up there. So should be interesting. Um, we're going to move into our final segment today. Uh, 2021 recruiting class off to a fast start for Tennessee football. The Vols actually lead the nation in total players committed to the 2020 recruiting class right now. Uh, the Vols have 18 commitments. That is just ahead of Ohio State and Miami, which both have 17. And get this, from April 26th through Monday, uh, yesterday, the Vols have gained eight commitments. Now, Joshua, I'm not saying that they're getting all these four or five-star recruits because that's that's not the case, but it, it does say something about Jeremy Prude and his staff with what they're doing right now and all the hype surrounding Tennessee. Yeah, and I aren't they up to like number two um, in the overall rankings? Something like that. I mean, they made a huge jump, um, but I think I saw somewhere on Twitter that they would have to have the number one, two, three, four, five, and number six rated player, um, yeah, two, four, seven to pass Ohio State. And I'll say two things is number one, um, for Tennessee to be as high as they are in recruiting right now and recruiting at the clip they are, um, I think it signals a couple of things is number one, uh, kids really want to play for Pruitt. But number two, I, I, I don't necessarily know if the SEC is as cut and dry as we think it is right now. Um, 
But number two with that as well, I never imagined Ohio State becoming a better recruiting school after Urban Meyer left. And I think it is fair to say, and it's so early on still in Ryan's career, that um, that he is a superior recruiter to Urban Meyer in that it doesn't matter you know, Alabama's got to feel threatened with the way it's happening in the SEC, but also look at Ohio State. Now, if you're Clemson, you know, you have another contender um, coming out of the South, but also like this, this becomes unique. And I think it's great for college football when, um, when obviously Alabama's good and, and Clemson's good and Ohio State's good, you know, those are all good things. But then you get a, a, a brand like Tennessee, which is a, a traditional college football brand that fans have known and loved for years. They fell off, and now they're starting to surge a little bit. Like, that is what makes college football so fun to me. Yeah, it, it, it definitely does. And look, I've, I've interviewed Jeremy Pruitt, their head coach. This is a former high school football coach, okay, for those of you guys who don't know. He spent a, a big chunk of his career as a high school football coach, then obviously um, has worked under Nick Saban, where I think he pulls a lot of – things from his experience from his time in Tuscaloosa. And I think everybody does who worked under Nick Saban. I mean, it'd be the smart thing to do if you had a chance to work with the guy. Um, so I think that now that he has his own thing going in, in Knoxville and that he's had a little bit of time and Joshua to add to the fact that they overcame obstacles last year, they started off with some embarrassing losses. And when you see a, a program stick with their coach, the kids stick with their coach and turn things around for the better and to, you know, I don't know how many straight wins they had at the end of the season, but it, it was, a, it was a good chunk, including winning their bowl game. I think that that says something about what they think of their coach and, you know, they believe in him. And I know that Pruitt, um, he might not be the most charismatic guy to the media, but we don't see him with these recruits and we don't see his staff. And I think you have to give his staff a lot of credit for what they're doing right now, because, you know, they're, they're on the recruiting trail too. They're getting on these phone calls as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see in the end game, what happens just in the sec with Tennessee, because I'm telling you something, they want to come for Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. And, and they're working their way and doing it right now. I give them credit for that. No, I mean, eight wins. And then, like you said, the win in the bowl game against an eight win big 10 team. Um, yeah, it's, that's a, it's a, it's a hell of a start. It's a way to finish off a season. Um, I agree with you. I, I think there's some momentum going on there and I don't know exactly, uh, what it all is, but anytime you got some momentum, you got to keep that thing going. Can you get momentum from just having guys that in, in our day and age with social media, can you get momentum as a player? And I'm asking you from a player's perspective, when you start seeing Tennessee trended, Tennessee's getting you know eight recruits in, in less than a week and a half um, or eight commits, can you kind of like see that as a player and be like, oh man, I, I'm gonna check out Tennessee. Oh man, I'm gonna see what's going on there. And can that kind of sway you in any way? Oh yeah, the buzz is huge. And, and, and when you have good players, you have good recruits, it gets more good players and good recruits, right? So um, if, if I can convince you, hey, we finished off strong, you know, we have players at X and Y position that we like. You know, we still need players of your caliber at this and that position. And folks start to see it and they take notice. And absolutely, that causes more momentum. And I, I think that, honestly, um, players are a little bit more indicative of the locker room and where the team is headed than anything else. And yeah. Luke Fickle was big about it, but um, he mm-hmm. wanted current players to recruit. 
prospects and he wanted prospects to be around current players because he felt like programs are driven yeah. off the players. He wanted prospects around prospects, current players around prospects and prospects around current players. That was it. Yeah. Love it. I think that's your spot on with that. Uh, well, before we go, we always like to do Joshua's take at the end of our show. So anything that has been bugging you that you've taken to Twitter on this week, or maybe it's a good thing that you've just had kind of a conversation with, with fans. Man, so I'll, I'll tell you two things. First one's real short. Um, I, I, you know, we we've been having problems uploading the uh, the podcast at times. Um, it, and my computer is just slow. It, it moves <laughs> slow. Um, you know, it's all backed up. Whatever. So I went out and I bought a new MacBook. Oh. The the one I currently have, just the storage was not enough. The processor yeah. wasn't what I needed to do the things I do. So brand new, tons of storage, fast processor, huge screen. I can do my real estate stuff. I can do my media stuff. I can do any of the other fun stuff I like to do on here. Go to to, to plug in my microphone today. The new MacBooks only have <laughs> USB-Cs and not yep. like the regular USB-A. So I'm back on the old laptop one last time to commemorate. Um, <laughs> I was so pissed. Um, but so my, my Twitter take, Fox Sports put out a graphic about okay. all the draft picks that Ohio yep. State had. Uh, between, you know, what was it, 2015, from the, the 2015 season. Um, yeah. I think that was the best team I ever played on. And I don't know how many guys we had, 35 guys from that 2015 team. And I was, like, they put out four different pages. I was on the fourth page as a fourth-round pick. Like, a lot of schools, their fourth-round pick might be, from 2015 to now, might be on the first page of their graphic. Oh, yeah. But anyway... So we started talking about that. And the comment that I made was in my four years at OSU, we went 50 and four. Seriously, we only lost four games, but we only won one conference title, obviously a national championship. Football is wild, super competitive. Every game matters. And basically everybody started talking about that 2015 game versus Michigan State at home. It was wet. It was rainy um, because we should have been back to back champs at 2015 season. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, And so one of my guys at BTN uh, commented and said, can you name the four starting QBs that beat you? And I said, Connor Cook from Michigan, 2013. Uh, Taj Boyd, Clemson, 2013. Brewer from Virginia Tech. I think his name was Michael Brewer from Virginia Tech in 2014. And I know his last name's Brewer. But I couldn't remember who started in 2015 for Michigan State. I know it wasn't Connor Cook. But I've done so much to erase that game out of my memory. Um, well, Tyler O'Connor was the starting quarterback. He's a, a a funny guy, apparently. He tweets me and says, what? nice to meet you again with a picture of me tackling him. And, Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. And I said, I wish I could say the same, right? So then BTN's uh, Michigan State Twitter property posted a video. It said, liked your tweet to former OSU LB at RIP underscore JEP last night, Tyler O'Connor 7. Um, it was a fun game. Thanks for helping make it happen. Now, the video that they posted was of a play of me giving up a touchdown on a, on a wheel route. And what happened was Michigan State had a, a formation. The wide receiver was motioning across to my side. He caught my vision. On the snap, the wide receiver comes back across the formation. The fullback leaks out. Now, there was another wide receiver that was split out, but he had a cut split. He was inside the numbers. That was a pick route. Just in case I read the play perfectly from the start, um, it would have picked me anyway, but I was a little bit slow on the read. I had to run underneath the pick and I was behind on the route. 
they didn't realize it. So my guy from BTN tweeted me uh, or DM me was like, bro, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was a play that you were oh. in. I'm like, it's all good. Um, and then, you know, Raekwon oh, started dogging me on yeah, Twitter and then Tyler started getting on me. Um, yeah. But out of that, out of that, um, Tyler O'Connor DM me and uh, we had a conversation. He's a Lima, Ohio guy. He works out of Chicago for Heinz. Obviously he's in town with the oh, Corona wow. thing. So um, he's going to try to make it to Columbus so we can link up, um, you know, just catch up, get to know each other. We have some That's common great. interests. And then um, obviously being in Chicago, one of these days we're going to get somebody from BTN to come uh, tape a little sit down with us. Yes. Catching up. But that was a hell of a deal. That is great. See, that's what I do love about social media these days is that we could have never done something like that back in the day. Right. And, and now, you know, we have these things and like you said, now you're planning on, you know, sitting down with him and catching up and it's cool. I mean, just little things like that. Like you said, one, one kind of play that you had a laugh about and that you could both kind of brush off and, and make it a, a deal where you can kind of do something fun with it in the future. So I think that's really cool. And there's always something that you have a conversation with on Twitter. It's always something different. That's why, again, I encourage you guys to go follow Joshua. Um, and speaking of that, where can they go to do that and join in on any random conversation? <laughs> yeah, the the conversation actually got really good on there um, at RIP underscore JEP. And it's, it's funny um, because, you know, the end of the day, we're, we're all just a bunch of guys. So it was fun talking to him, but I, I love interacting with people on there. I think, I think honestly, um, there are some really intelligent football fans out there that bring up some unique perspective. I love hearing it. Yeah, no, definitely. That's why we always want to try to give you an opportunity to share it at the end of the podcast. Uh, we'd also like you to go subscribe. If this is your first time listening and you like it, uh, just go to iTunes, type in press pass, and then click on that subscribe button. You can also give us a rate and review we would truly appreciate it and then share it with your friends if they're college football fans share it with them as well tell them to at least listen to an episode see if they like it uh, you can follow us on instagram at press pass pod it'll just let you know when our new episodes are out and then you can follow me at kayla anderson tv on instagram and twitter so we appreciate you guys tuning in this week and just like we do every week i feel like we're bringing you new fresh stuff with um, some really interesting takes so hopefully we'll have some good stuff to talk about next week joshua thank you so much my friend have a great week hey you as well all right bye guys for the ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.